Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to share fellowship in your word. We thank you for not giving up on us. We thank you that we can call you, Father. And we ask that may Christ alone be exalted in our midst. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. We thank God so much for the gift of life. We thank God that He who has counted us privileged to see another day. Thank you so much. So we continue our study on the parable of the loving father. And we ended last week talking about life outside the father's house. And we are continuing our study this evening. And we'll be looking at the father's response to the younger son. So we'd like to invite our woman of God to continue with the exposition on the parable of the loving father. So, Bene, the floor is yours. All right. Thank you very much. And I appreciate God for the opportunity. Pray that Christ be exalted. Amen. So for the past weeks now, we've been looking at um, the parable of the loving father. And our main scripture has been from Luke chapter 15, the whole of Luke chapter 15. We've talked about the the fact that some scribes were complaining. They said Jesus Christ claimed to be from God, but he was dining and he was receiving sinners. So Jesus Christ gave them three different parables to answer their question or answer their complaint. So we've taken a look at the parable of the lost sheep. We're taking a look at the parable of the lost coin, and um, we are still on the parable of the prodigals, and that's what most people know it to be, but we are considering it to be the parable of the loving father. So last week, we said that the son told his father to give him the portion of inheritance which belonged to him, and he journeyed out to a far country, and he squandered all that his father had given him, and... The Bible says that when he came to the realization at his rock bottom, he realized what he had did was really wrong because he was really suffering. So he decided to go back home to his father. So we are going back to Luke chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 15, verse 17. Let's take a look at his resolution speech, what he came and what he, he decided on to do after realizing how in need he was verse 17 he said when he came to himself he said how many of my father's high servants have bread enough and to spare and i perish with hunger i will arise and go to my father and will say to him father i have sinned against heaven and before you i am no longer worthy to be called your son make me one of your hired servants so that's what he said or he thought or that's what he decided on to do so we can calling a few things from what the son just said. The son said that his father's high servants have enough bread and not just that, they also have enough bread to spare. So we can then note that this father's servants were living a better life than this son was living because 
this son was in need. The Bible says that he even longed for the food of the pigs. So he was in great need and he realized that being a servant of his father was actually better than being a servant of a person or a citizen in a far country. So he decided to be one of his father's servants. So that was his main aim or his resolution. That's what he went to his his father for that's what he was going to his father for father make me one of your hired servants so let's continue from verses 20 i'll be reading the verse 20 going from the passion translation so if you have that particular translation you can read with me it says so the son sets off for home from a long distance, his father saw him coming dressed as a beggar, and grace compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. So the father raised out to meet him. He swept him in his arms, hugged him dearly, and kissed him over and over with tender love. The son said, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. So this the Bible says that when the son was coming from a great um, distance or from a long distance, so at a very long distance, his father saw his son coming. The Bible says that compassion swelled in his heart for his son who was longing home. And this father did not just sit down or expect the son to come to him or was not bitter against the son. The Bible says the father ran or raised. I imagine he might have been an old man. So he ran and he raised after his son and he did not just run after him the bible said he hugged him he swept him in his arms and kissed him over and over again which means that all that the father felt for the son was compassion and great love the son expected condemnation the son expected punishment the son expected for the father to um, be bitter against him but the bible says that that's exactly the opposite of what the father did for him the father was filled with compassion and he kissed him over and over again which means that the father was really having a great longing and desire it means that he really missed um, the son and he had a great longing and desire for the son probably he was on the lookout day and night when will my son come back when will my son come back and the Bible says that the son said, that, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. He was about to say, just let me be one of your servants. But the Bible says the father interrupted and said, Son, you are home now. So this son expected to be condemned. This father did not condemn him. And he had one desire or one wish, make me a high servant. But it's interesting to note that the first name the father gave him was son, or the first name the father called him was son, which means that even though he had squandered his father's money, even though he had done a lot of bad or evil against his father, his father was still seeing him as the son he was and not as a let's say a sinner or let's say as a rebel so this father had love and compassion and i'm sure this father that we are talking about consider it to be god our father and you and i as a younger son god does not really condemn us a lot of times when we go wrong we think that god is like ready to condemn us ready to divorce us. a lot of times we think god is even ready to accuse us it's like god is just waiting for you not to pray so that he will accuse you but that's not the 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 the, the 
the heart of God for you. God longs for you. He desires you for you to do good and he desires you for you to come back to him because he's the only one who can help you. Yeah, so the father might have been hurt because like for you to lose your son, for your son to do this evil against you, the father might have been hurt and the son's actions might have grieved the father's heart. But then this father was not bitter towards the son. A lot of times in our day, some children are scared of their parents because they know that their parents will only comfort them or hug them only when they do the right thing. And you can um, compare this to our, our age now. And I'm sure if this son was, let's say, in our age, you steal your father's money, and you take your father's money, go out and squander it, and come back home looking miserable. Some parents would disown their children. But then God is not like that. A lot of time we compare God to our earthly parents, and it's not very healthy because we see God in the light of our parents, or we see God through how our parents have treated us. But then God is totally different, and He's loving. So let us look at God and His nature in the light of Scripture, and not just our parents. So I'm, I'm continuing from verse 22. The Bible says that, I'm reading now from the King James, it says, But the Father said to his servant, Bring out the best robe and put on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted cow here and kill it and let's eat and let's be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to make him merry. So after receiving the son, the Bible says that this father gave his son three gifts. You see, the son had done so much. He was his, his father. He has taken and taken and taken. But then this father continues to give and give and give. The Bible says that he gave him a robe and it wasn't just a robe. He gave him the best robe to cover his dirty clothes, dressed as a beggar. And he gave him a ring. And most people say the ring refers to a seal of friendship. It identifies you to be a particular member of the family. So this father was giving the ring to the son, meaning that he has stole my son. So he took his ring and he placed it on the son's finger. And he also gave the son sandals or his shoes to wear. And so this father was so, so kind. And most people interpret the robe or the covering as the blood of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ's blood covers all our shame, all our pain, and all our sins. And also the ring as the Holy Spirit because the Bible says that for if you do not have the Holy Spirit, then you are not of God. Yet. So the Holy Spirit identifies us as children of God. And then the sandals refers to a sense of direction or purpose in life. And as Christians, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And even um, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15, talks about the fact that as part of the whole armor of God, your feet should, or let's say, the armor for your feet um, represents your going out to declare the gospel of peace here. Yeah. So this father was a very, very nice person. He accepted the son. He did not um, condemn the son. He still saw the son as his own. And he covered the son's shame and then all his filth. And so the Bible says that the father also did one very significant thing. The father took a great fatted calf and then they slaughtered it to have a party or make merry. So if you would look 
um, consider the previous parables that we've talked about. The first one is the, the parable of the lost sheep. The Bible says that a man had 100 sheep, he lost one, he left the 99 for the lost one, and when he found it, there was joy. The second one, a woman had 10 coins, she lost one of the coins, she searched her house. When she found it, there was joy. Similarly, this man or let's take the father. The father lost his son to a far country. But when he found the son, when the son came back, he was so happy and there was joy. So Jesus Christ was in fact answering these um, scribes that you are saying that I receive sinners. You are saying that I eat with them. But this is what one would do for a very precious item which is missing. So you are claiming that I should not be eating or receiving sinners, but sinners are very important or precious to me. So like the sheep, I will leave the 99 and I'll go after the sinner. Like the lost coin, I will search and search and search till I find the lost sinner. Like the father who lost the son, I will continue to long for and yearn for the return of my son. And when my son comes. I will not condemn my son. I will receive him with love, with joy, and then with great merit. So I hope you get it. Yeah, so before I tell Sam to come in, I would like to share my own story of my, how do I say it? I want to share my own story at a particular time. I was like the younger son. I couldn't identify with God and I was pleading with God to make me a higher servant. So yeah, I would want to share my story so that you probably get the parable very well. At the age of, um, let's say, five or six, I was like violated. Um, I was violated sexually by a female neighbor. She took me to her room and then she said to me, do this to me. She said, no, no, let me show you how it's done. So it wasn't really painful. It wasn't hurtful in any way. So I wasn't suspicious. I didn't feel the need to report to anyone. And I remember in primary one and two, I, I remember practicing this particular act with a girl in school. You know, at that particular age, I didn't really understand the implications of what it was. But when I came to know that it was a form of lesbianism, like I hated myself. I was filled with so much shame, like pain. <laughs> Um, bitterness. I was so resentful, especially against this particular neighbor. And I was filled with remorse for my classmates. I said to myself that I had destroyed someone's life. I'm really the one to hear. So um, in class three, this particular classmate left for another school. And um, I thought like my misery will end. But the thing is, when you are exposed to sexual sins, it becomes difficult for you to be free unless the Lord himself um, delivers you. So it wasn't long before my curiosity led me to pornography. I never really indulged in masturbation or things like that, but then the illusion of love that and pornography and romantic novels gave me was quite like satisfying. <laughs> but I'll be lying to you if I say it was really satisfying because after the shame, the pain, the, 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 the regrets it brought me was like overwhelming. Like I was addicted and I knew 100% that it was demonic, it was of the devil, but like I couldn't help myself. I was hopelessly bound. So I immersed myself in lots of religious and academic activities. They were like my safe haven. So even though I hated myself, people would appreciate me if I, let's say, 
excelled academically and perhaps if I go to church, go for all the church programs, try to do good, God will look at me and see me that she's trying, so let me deliver her. Those in my school, my primary and GHS needs, they knew me to cry a lot. Sometimes in school, when the feeling of shame and then the regret comes overwhelming, I'll put my head on the table and then I'll weep. And <laughs> I remember one classmate of mine approached me in such a state and she told me that, yeah, hypocrite. She said, she didn't really just say you're a hypocrite, but it, it was similar to that. She said, that's why do I do that? Like, I make it seem as though I'm the only Christian and they are all sinners. And so I, I don't really remember what I said to answer her, but in my mind, I said, if only you knew like who I was and what I've done, I don't think you ever say that to me. In JHS too, I was involved in SHS, sorry, I was involved in numerous church activities. I was even a leader in the church, but I was still bound. I dreaded vacations because I knew when I come back home, like I'll go back to my field. So I, I tried lots of ways. I, I put a hold on social media. I gave up my phone to one of my brothers to use it. So in three years SHS life, I didn't use a phone until after SHS. I would go for vacation classes or for vacation classes just to free my mind. Yeah. So I tried a lot of other methods. I prayed, I fasted, I even went for counseling and Sunday school camp, but I was still so bound. And I remember I have good friends, like nice friends, teachers who really praise me. But then in my mind, I contemplated suicide a lot of times, like countless times. But the only thing that kept me from committing suicide was my fear of hell. I really, really dreaded hell. And I knew if I commit suicide, definitely I'm going to help. So a turning point um, came in my life when I came to um, university and I read an article by John Bevere. He faced a similar challenge with pornography and he said his deliverance came out of love and not fear. John said, if you fall in love with Jesus, you will love him so much, you never want to sin against him. So like, I made it my goal, my, my prayer was to fall in love with Jesus. So, but but the truth is, I, I didn't really have any love to give. My love tank was zero. I was filled with just shame, humiliation. I was filled with just bitterness and hurt. So, and one thing I've come to understand about um, God's love is that you can't love God on your own. So God will show you how much he loves you. He will love you and then your heart will be so captivated. Like his love will capture your heart and then you begin to fall in love with him. So my prayer, God, help me to fall in love with Jesus. Indirectly, it meant, Lord, please show me how much you love me. Because when he shows you how much he loves you, definitely you fall in love with him. And the good news is God did. He really did. And he still does it each and every day. So initially, I had a very hard time accepting God's unconditional love for me. But I was like, God really, he literally pursued me. It seemed too good to be true. So God loved me regardless of all my past things, all my past errors. Come on, like let's face it. If you were in the shoes of the younger son, like you squandered your father's money, you brushed into your father, you did all these wrongs to your father, and you come back home and your your father is smiling at you with his teeth showing, like you'll be suspicious. Yeah, of your father, like is he trying to lure me into something so he could punish me? That was it. Yeah. <laughs> 
So it was difficult for me to accept God's love for me. So God pursued me, as I said. So I remember on one occasion, I had good friends here. A friend sent me songs by Alberto and Kimberly Rivera. I'm not sure. They're not very popular in our September then. Yeah, if you are privileged to have their songs, you can listen. They are very nice. They are prophetic songs, like like God speaking to you. Yeah. So I remember one day after Anatomy Lab, I was hungry. I went to the summer hut to eat, and I decided to play one of those songs. I played the song called Royalty, yeah. and in the song, it was like God is telling you that you are my daughter, like you are a princess, and I love you, and you are worthy of my love. And then it breaks my heart when you don't believe that you are my little princess and I love you very much. It was so overwhelming. Like, he looked too good to be true. I, I just said, you can't be serious. Like, you can't be serious. And I don't know whether I got angry or I got disturbed, but I just switched the music off and I, and I walked back to my hostel. I was like, it was too good to be true. So I said, like, you can't be serious. Like, God, after all that I've done, you're telling me that I'm worthy of your love. So, yeah. But God was persistent. And I remember one morning after all nine service, there was this recurring thought in my mind. I was actually bathing. And there was this recurring thought in my mind. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have loved you with an everlasting love. The thoughts won't go away. So I went to search the internet whether there was a part in the Bible with that particular phrase. And it was in Jeremiah 31 verse 3. It says that the Lord said to the people, of Israel. I have loved you with an everlasting love, with loving kindness. I have drawn you. And it was so, so beautiful. It was like God speaking to me. But I was like, yeah, okay, I get it. And later I happened to um, listen to a prophetic song on it by Alberto and Kimberly too. The song is called Captured. It's a very nice song. You can go and search and listen. But the thing is, I was so adamant until one day in my room. And God bless my room. It's just and me for a while. So I was praying in my room and then it got some time as I was praying as I was listening to music. I was so, so convinced of the love of God for me. It became so real to me. But then I felt so unworthy and in my prayer, I said, God, don't you remember? Like, don't you remember all that I've done? In my childhood, I practiced lesbianism. I've watched pornography. I've been reading romantic stories. People see me to be good, but I've lived the hypocritic life. Like, don't you remember all my sins? And I heard these words. I will never forget. I heard, no, I don't remember. I was sent to you. No, I don't remember. I was sent to you. It was also a recurring thought. So and when I heard those words, no, I don't remember. I was sent to you. I was speechless. I didn't know what to excuse to give God again and maybe like you you would doubt where are these words coming from are you really sure it's from God but the truth is the transformation it brought to my life it's undeniable and later I read Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 34 God says I will forgive your wickedness and your sins I will remember no more when I saw that particular scripture I was shocked like really God does not remember sins anymore and if you check the gospels through John 14 15 16 Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit whom he was sent to. And the Holy Spirit is the one who has been sent to us so um, from that experience I, I then came to know that 
truly. Jesus has taken away my sins. I was a Christian. I believe Jesus Christ came to die for me, but I didn't really, I wasn't really convinced that Jesus Christ had taken away all my sins. So I condemned myself. But then from that experience, God began to open my heart to receive his love more and more. And I was transformed. And, you know, not only did I um, come to believe in knowledge and in faith that God loved me, I emotionally felt his love and it was wonderful. It was liberating and like I couldn't contain my joy. My whole demeanor changed and my friends noticed it. I used to smile not used to I still do I found a lot I was so thankful to Jesus Christ for taking away all my sins and I began to love him too and I loved him with all my heart and I still do love him with all my heart like he was all I could think about and I always longed to be alone with him I remember I stopped taking the shuttle so that I could walk back to my hostel and I made sure I walked alone and as I walked back to my hostel I'll be speaking to him I, I yeah <laughs> He was always on my mind and he made me so happy. And then people would see me smile ridiculously as I walked down the road and they would look at me in a way, but I, I just didn't care. My mind was just, I don't know, I, I felt so light-hearted, I felt so free, and I felt redeemed. So gradually, you know, pornography lost its hold on me. So it, it wasn't an instant, but it was like little by little, I became free. So the desire to watch pornography and read other romantic um, novels became um, less and less. And I remember a period of, let's say, four months. I even forgot the title of the book that I used to read online. And it was so amazing. And I really liked it because once you are involved in pornography, unless you are addicted to a particular thing, the devil makes you believe that there is no deliverance for you and there is no hope for you back. Within those months, after those months, I realized that there's truly hope for me if I could never remember even the title of the book. Like then it means I can be free. So if you are going through a similar problem and perhaps the devil is lying to you that there's no hope, there's no freedom for you, I have been like I am free now. God has delivered me now and I know there's hope and there's freedom for you. So little by little, the hold of um, pornography lost its hold and we are in the eighth month in 2020 and by God's grace, I've never gone back to my field like from the beginning of this year and I'm really, really thankful for that. And you know, the devil is so evil. Evil, evil, devil. On two occasions in my dreams, like I've had temptations even in my dreams. I guess you can't attack you in the flesh in your dreams. In my dreams, the first one, I ran away. I was tempted and I ran away. And the second one, I was tempted. I was about to give in and I remembered all that Jesus had done for me. And I said, no, 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 no. Yeah, and I woke up. So when I heard John Vivius West, if you fall in love with Jesus, you love him so much, you never want to sin against him. I didn't really expect the reality I'm living. I didn't really know it would work out, but it was my only hope. So I gave it a go and by God's grace, God has really delivered me. And not only did Jesus Christ forgive my sins, not only did he deliver me from pornography, he also healed my heart, you know. And he took away all the pain, he took away all the resentment, all the anger, all the unforgiveness. And though I never saw this lady again, my neighbor, I never saw her after childhood. By God's grace, God has taught me to forgive her. And I would want to see her one day too. 
Yeah, maybe to tell her about Christ or something. And my classmate too, I, I pray that she forgives me. And I also pray that she also finds salvation and joy in Christ as I have. Now I pray for her. So, and God taught me not to be bitter about what I went through in childhood. Sometimes I used to get so sad that I didn't know about this. Like, why did this happen to me? I didn't ask for this. I was so ignorant. I didn't know why should this happen to me. But... I remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 17 that he who has many sins forgiven will love much and he who has smaller sins forgiven or little sins forgiven will love small. So I thank God so perhaps if I had not gone through let's say these situations I may have been passive in my pursuit of God and may have not really enjoyed the blessings that I am enjoying. Also I'm thankful for God in all circumstances and I know he works all things for my good. So I'm grateful to God that he had mercy on me. So my deliverance did not really come out of observation or rules or methods. I came out of an intimate work with Jesus Christ and a revelation of God's love for me. So like the younger son, I literally begged God, like, God, please make me a higher servant. Let me go to church more. Let me, let me go for all the Christian services. Let me go for all the prayer meetings. Perhaps you have mercy on me. But God didn't. God still saw me as his child and he took me as his child. And I'm his daughter now. And he has given me Jesus Christ to cover all my sins. And I have the Holy Spirit. And then he has given me a purpose. And my classmates will know. My love is customized and fly. I wrote this. My life changed when I got a glimpse of how God loves me. The least I can do is to lay my life at his feet so that Christ through my life can show others how much he loves them. And yeah, that's my pursuit that God should touch other people's hearts just as he touched my heart. So, and you know, for um, the period of quarantine, on two occasions, my mom had confronted me and asked, why are you always smiling when we are praying? Don't you know people look at you and say, you are not serious. And I remember in class to a friend of mine, after our class devotion, he looked at me and he called me creepy. And he said, it's because I was laughing, I was smiling when I was praying. It seems as though I was laughing at God. But it's not so, it's, it's just that sometimes um, the joy, I can't really hide my joy. Like, place yourself in my shoes. I was overburdened. I tried to kill myself. I was in bondage. And if God has saved me, like, He has made me so free. And sometimes I don't really know how to express my joys. But He's a very nice person. And I encourage you all to seek Jesus Christ. I try to make my words shut so. I said that life in Jesus Christ is beautiful and it's very nice. Sometimes it's all I can think about. And I remember in school, um, I had anatomy lab. We we're having lab practicals, and then he was so on my mind, Jesus Christ. So I told my friend, he was a gospel leader, and I told him, "How can I make Jesus happy? How can I make Jesus happy?" And yeah, I just how you would want to appreciate someone for doing something nice for you. That's, that's exactly how I felt. And so the kindness of God really leads us to repentance. And yeah, everything about God excites me. Sometimes I'll cry, sometimes I'll laugh hysterically. And the thing is that I'm not claiming to be perfect or claiming to be all-knowing. And to be honest with you, I'm very, very ignorant. And every day I get to know how ignorant I am and how I absolutely have to depend on God because it's like 
as you are saying, the moment I try to go outside the father's house, it feels as though all those bad thoughts, all those negative situations are coming back at me. Yeah, so I still have challenges, I still have temptations, but the difference is the temptations have no hold on me now. So I'm able to say no now. Like when I have temptations, I'm able to say no. And yeah, so you may have wondered, like, why am I talking about Jesus while we are talking about the Father? The truth is that Jesus Christ is the one who revealed the Father to you. And even though God is very sweet, the Father is very sweet. He's very loving. He has a very kind heart. He's also very holy and very righteous. So if you are now or you feel condemned it's very difficult for you to approach him so when you are convinced that jesus christ really has taken away your sins and you are no more condemned that's when you are able to freely enjoy the relationship that you have with your father who is in heaven yeah so i would like to encourage you to open your heart to receive god's extravagant love for you it really seems too good to be true but god loves you and he accepts you as his own irrespective of your past and so like the first parable jesus christ left the 99 he left all the glories of heaven to pursue you like the woman with the lost coin. He went through great extents to find you, to search for you. And like the father of the younger son, God does not condemn you. He sees you as his son and his lovely daughter. So irrespective of what you've done, please come back home. The father is ready to receive you and he'll make a big party for you. Yeah, thank you. And so I'll let Sam come in. Thank you. The parable of the loving Father. Wow. So we would invite Baba to give a commentary on the response of the Father. Okay. Indeed, this is the parable of the Father. Our God is love. He is a loving Father. From what Bene has said throughout this episode, I believe that nothing should deter us from coming back or running back to our Father. No matter how we stray, the son could have eaten the food meant for the pigs and would have died. But then he came home only to find out that his father would throw a party for him. And this is how our father in heaven is. No matter how your sin may be, no matter how bad you think your situation is, or no matter who may think you are, your situation is beyond repairs. Our God is indeed a loving Father. He is love. His nature is to love us no matter what, whether we sin, whether we fall short, no matter what indeed is ever ready to love us. So let us run back to our Father. The other day, Jesus said in Mark 2, 17, that he who is not sick has no need of the doctor, only the one who is sick. So as Jesus rightly said, anytime we feel like we've fallen short of the glory or we fall astray from his presence, let us run back onto Jesus because he is love and he is ever ready to receive us and throw a big party for us. Amen and amen. God bless you, Baba. Abna, kindly give us a courage. Okay, so I have a little to say. So our father is a generous father. He's kind and he's good. And 
we shouldn't forget that last week we mentioned that his love is unconditional and he doesn't hold grudges against us for what we have done in the past and he doesn't take us back reluctantly he takes us back with so much eagerness and gladness just like the father in the parable was and we should know that god sees our faults as our needs we might think we have faults but god sees them as we have needs and he caters for each and every one of them you may see ourselves as dirty or unworthy but god is saying to us that we should come that he has made us clean and he has made us worthy of his love so what are you waiting for turn back and go back to him he's yearning and itching to welcome you back home don't think twice at all about this he's waiting for you thank you he's waiting for you benji kindly give us a comment okay thank you very much i also want to touch on something surely um when you read romans chapter 5 verse 8 it says that um, but god commended his love to us assuming that while we were yet sinners christ died for us yeah so god didn't wait for us to convert or repent of our sins but he sent jesus christ to come and die for us the father didn't even allow the son to get to the house as he was far off he just ran off to go and then meet him yeah so this was showing the extent of the love that the father had for his son even though he had disobeyed him and a whole lot of stuff he knew that he was still his son and then i'm sure even whilst the son was away the father was always coming out was standing at the gates to see maybe the day that the son would return so it was something that like every day the father would come and check the gates day in and day out waiting patiently and eagerly for the day that the son returned yeah so he knew that the son did what he did out of immaturity and impatience and a whole lot yeah so he didn't confer his sin on him but he knew that he didn't understand what he was doing so whilst we were yet sinners christ did the same thing for us and i'm telling all of us that it doesn't matter where you have been where you are going or where you are He came to die for us whilst we were yet sinners. All he wants you to do is to just turn back to him. And that is going to save you. Yeah, you don't have to work for it. And every debt has been paid and everything. So the father is just waiting to see you far off. And then he will run and then fall on your neck and kiss you. And then bring you back home. And then throw a feast for you. Yeah. So God bless us all for listening. Thank you very much. God bless you too for sharing the parable of the loving father. Wow. When it comes to talking about God's love, it's a whole decade teaching. And I don't even think you'll be able to exhaust everything in that text. So I'll try to be very disciplined in giving my commentary. I don't even know where to start from. But I always make this statement that even people going to hell is a demonstration of God's love. You know, many people have this question that, or many people ridicule Christians because they're like, the way we talk about the way God is love, how can this loving father take people to hell? And what they don't realize is that, one, God doesn't take people to hell per se, but people going to hell, It's a demonstration. In fact, it's a massive demonstration of God's love. And I know you are wondering how is going to hell a demonstration of God's love. Just as the father did. When the younger son came and said, give me my share of the inheritance. We didn't hear the father commenting. The father just divided his portion and gave it to him. And in the same thing, 
people that go to hell are people who throughout their life on earth have been yearning for a life outside of God, outside of the Father. So the reason why people will go to hell is because throughout their lives, they have been making a declaration that God wants a life outside of you. He wants a life outside of God's Father. And hell and consequently the lake of fire is the state of life outside the Father's house. So when you go to hell, God is just honoring your wish because what is outside the father's house is what the state of hell and suddenly the lake of fire is so even when people go to hell it's a demonstration that god loves them that's why he's that's why they are going there because that's what they're asking for so just as the, the younger son sorry was saying that give me my portion so also people throughout their life they are saying that we want a life outside of god but unfortunately for them a life outside the father's house is what hell and the lake fire yes and people always wonder why are you doing all these things are you going to be a pastor in the future like people mostly look at me and wonder why you are doing all these things and frankly speaking i <laughs> we are doing literally nothing but you see the issue is that a true appreciation of the love of god for your life there will be a spontaneous reaction and that is what we are doing we are not doing what we are doing because we want to become pastors or we are pastors or anything else but the single motivation for all that we are doing is because every day we are getting closer to appreciate the love God has. and you see the issue is that many of us know God loves us I don't think there's somebody listening to this podcast who doesn't know God loves you but I think the issue is that you don't understand the extent of God's love you that's what Bernard was saying that it may sound too good to be true and it may sound ridiculous, but a true appreciation of God's love for you, your life will change and it cannot be overemphasized. So sometimes I just look at the passiveness among believers, how you have to coax people to serve God. And I'm like, no, they do. there's something that is missing in their life. Like there's something missing. It's because we don't understand the extent to which our father is standing at his mansion. He's just looking every day. And from the story, you could see that it took at least, let me just say at least three months. Because the guy went, he squandered his living, he became a citizen, he was eating pig's food after it took three months. And you could imagine every single day the father was coming out looking, when is my son coming home? So this evening, our question to you is, when are you coming home? It's interesting that in Genesis, after Adam and Eve fell, God in his anger, after cursing the serpent and all the rest, God in his anger provided a better clothing for Adam. Oh. So even when he was angry at man because they had listened to the serpent, he didn't suck them out of the garden in anger. He looked at the clothes Adam had so he was like, oh, and the dress you are so interesting. Even in God's anger, and right from the garden, he made a declaration that I am on a journey. I am on the search. I am on a recovery mission. When he told the serpent that the seed of the woman would lose. So right from Genesis chapter 3, God had set himself and he was determined that he's on a rescue mission. I really want to encourage us all that invite someone to listen to this podcast. And I know that this is just an attempt to help us appreciate the extent to which God loves us. So please, in response to the love of God that we are trying to open ourselves up. We want to really encourage you. God bless you for listening to this podcast. We really, really appreciate it. We are not doing this to get subscribers or to get followers, to get downloads, not at all. But out of 
the constraints of God's love in our lives. We cannot but share this love. So just as last week, we ended up by saying that what would have been your response if you were the father? We know that when the father did the feast, the elder brother had a reaction. So we want to leave you with this question. If the feast was the right response, why did the elder son seem to have a different opinion? So for next week, we'll be looking at the response of the elder brother. And as usual, we would like to take a word of prayer. And tonight, we'll be praying from Ephesians chapter 3, from the verse 18 and 19. Paul was praying for the church. And he said that, that we may be able to comprehend what is the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses all understanding. So this evening, our prayer is more of what I personally want to call a meditative prayer. So I want to encourage you, even as the song is playing in the background, I really want to encourage you that read Ephesians chapter 3, from the verse 18 and 19, and give and even as you are reading this scripture, we want to silently pray in our heart. standing at that window in your bedroom looking out for our coming father in the name of jesus we pray for everyone listening to this podcast and for even we ourselves we pray that we may come to comprehend with all the things what is the breadth the height the length 
get depth and to know the love of God, which surpasses all understanding. And just as Paul said, that the love of God constrains us. May this love continually constrain us that every day of our life we will give you our very best. And because we know that it is meant to love you, not love the neighbor beside us, we ask for grace that the only thing we will owe anybody is love. God bless you all. And I really, really want to encourage you. Share this podcast with someone. Invite someone to listen to this podcast. Because a true accusation of the love of God for your life will literally change your life. And I and my friends are simply a product of getting to appreciate the love of God for our life. God bless us all. And we hope to see you next week, even as we take a look at the response of the other back. God bless you so much. And I really, really want to encourage you to spend some time just thinking about it. Do you know the extent to which God loves you? Give God your best. And make sure that the only thing you owe anybody is love. Bye bye. Bye. My soul longs for you. My soul longs for you. This heart.